Welcome to the Recovery House of Worship. We are so grateful to have you here. We've started a series and we simply called it Lent. It's very simple. And what we're saying is that this is a period of time, the period between Ash Wednesday and Easter, we're saying that this is a period of time that we are taking to say no to good things to get with God things. We're going we're gonna to say no to things that we just do that make us busy, that keep us occupied, that keep us focused on other things other than God. And we're going to say we're going to say no to those things so we can just uh, concentrate a time of focus. For, so for some of you, it was chocolate. You said, I will do no more chocolate in these 40 days. And you've already broken that, but it's okay. We love you. And... <laughs> And, and you can start again today. And, but here's what you're saying. You're saying, the time that it takes me to, to buy the candy, to open the Snickers, to eat the Snickers, to dispose of the wrapper, the time that it takes me to do all that, what I'm going to do instead is I'm going to stand back. I'm going to get on my knees and say, God, I want to taste and see that the Lord is good. That there are longings and desires that chocolate can't satisfy. That there are longings and desires that the cigarette can't satisfy. There are longings and desires that Facebook can't satisfy. So some of you said, I'm going to say no to Facebook for the next 40 days. I'm just going to say no. And I know for some of you, you think that right there is a sin. And it's okay. It's fine. I want you to... Say no to something you're used to doing. Men, it's March, right? Is, is, are they still, the college playing still, right? Yeah, I'm not into sports. The final four, right? So, right, for you, it would be a huge sacrifice to say no to the final four. But man, the time that it takes you to make the popcorn and, and get the fellows around, and rather than, getting, rather than doing that, getting a bunch of guys together to, for a concentrated time of prayer and meeting with Jesus, that's not, that's not a bad thing. That's a good thing. And so that's what we're saying. We're saying no to good things, to get with God things. And that's the entire series. We said we're going to make room for God. And so we've talked about making room for God within our finances. We talked about making room for God with our worry, right? We talked about that last week, about just dispelling worry. And we're going to, just, we're going to trust Jesus. We're not going to trust worry. And today, and today, we're going to talk about what no one here has a problem with, being judgmental. And so... And so we're going to spend some time asking God to help us because it's so easy. Listen to me. There's two objections, two objections that I get when I invite people to church. One of the bunch of hypocrites to which my reply is, it's okay. We got room for one more. (laughs) And secondly, is that they're judgmental to which I don't have a really good reply, considering that nobody who is saved purely by the grace of God should ever look down their nose at anyone else. You're so bad that God had to die for you. How could we look down our nose at anyone else? Now, with that said, as we look at this topic, it's not going to be exactly what you expect. Because there are some of you that are so hard on truth. In other words, you love truth so much, but you, do, you love truth minus love. And you just mean. Amen. You're tough to be around. You hurt, you hurt the people who love you. And you mean well, but you do no real good. And then there's another group of you 
that you love so much that you won't dare to speak a word of truth to your brother and sister. And so you let, listen, listen, listen. You play the fiddle while people walk off cliffs. You love, oh, but you love them. Everybody's struggling. Yeah, 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 but you're the friend. You should love them enough to tell them to get off the train tracks. And so whether you're on this side of the street and you're so hard on truth and you, 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 you ignore love or you're on this side of the street where you're so hard on love, you ignore truth. Jesus says there's a third way. And then we're going to learn how to speak the truth in love. And we're going to be able to say the hard things, but we're going to say them in such a broken-hearted way, Amen. with a broken heart, that we might be able to see God glorified and that people would walk away saying, your God, he's very great indeed. I was in the car with my wife and I thought that this was the perfect opportunity because we were driving to get groceries. I thought that this is a perfect opportunity to point out the struggles in her life. <laughs> Can you sense how well that went? And I thought, it's easy. We're in the car. I have A, B, C, and D. So we started, you know, turned on the car. She's in the thing. And, and we're driving. I said, honey, yes. You know you got a problem with A, B, C, and D. Did I mention D? <laughs> that did not go as well as it went in my head. In my head, it went a lot better. After, after we had that discussion... <laughs> I started to think of a few weeks, for a few weeks, I started to think about why that went so badly. And, and I was thinking, gosh, I was telling the truth. I knew, you know, it wasn't like in my heart. And the reason was, listen to me, the reason was is because I violated the word of God that I am about to share with you right now. I did not do what the word of God right now that we're going to look at today. I didn't do that. And so I hurt my wife. Listen to me. There is a way. I could give you a formula for destroying relationships. I could give you a formula for isolating yourself from everyone who loves you. I can give you a formula that will harm you and the people that you love around you. And Jesus says, I don't want that for you. Not for you. I love you. I want better for you. And so Jesus knows that you and I are bent towards being judgmental. Because I wonder, am I the only one who does that sort of thing? Right? Am I the only one who sees clearly about everybody else's faults but doesn't notice my own? Am I the only one who does that? It's interesting because judgmental, being judgmental is an interesting thing. Because if I see something that someone has to fix in their life, you know what I call that? I call it sin. If I see the very same thing in my life, you know what I call that? Issues. And so we have ways of looking at ourselves that are different than the ways we look at others. And so we come across so, so being spirited. And since God knows that all his kids are going to struggle with this, he's given us some scriptures that's going to help us. But I want you to have a mind that's open, a heart that's ready, a life that's willing to do what God 
would instruct us to do. We have a, uh, we have a tradition in our church. We, do, we stand at the reading of God's word because he's holy. And his word is other than and wonderful. So we're all going to read it. We're all going to read it with a nice, loud voice. And we're all going to read it with great passion on the count of three. Are you ready to read it? Yes. Yeah. Oh, you stink. Are you ready to read it? Yeah. yeah, sure. That's what I'm talking about. Okay, on the count of three. On the count of three. One, two, three. Do not judge or you too will be judged. For the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when all the time there is a plank in your own eye? You hypocrite. First take the plank out of your own eye and then you'll see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Do not give dogs what is sacred. Do not throw your pearls to pigs. If you do, they may trample them under their feet and turn, tear you to pieces. This is God's word. Please have a seat. So as you know, we've been saying this over and over that this is the Sermon on the Mount. This is Jesus speaking to his people. Something very important to point out. Listen to me. Whether you see in your Bible words in red that Jesus spoke or something in Leviticus, it is all God's word. It has equal authority. It comes from God. And whether it comes from Jesus' lips or Moses' lips, it's the same authority because it's God's word. We get that, right? We, we, don't stand, we don't stand above God's word. We stand under God's word. Isn't that true? Right? We love, here at Recovery House of Worship, we love Jesus. We love God's word. And so Jesus, he's preaching his sermon. He's letting us know what to look out for. And he says, hey, listen, there's this relational thing that if you don't navigate well, you're going to hurt yourself. And so he tells us this very thing that those, when I try to lovingly confront them, that they say, doesn't Jesus say? And it's in this first three words. He says this, do not judge. Doesn't Jesus say, do not judge? And look, it's right there. Do not judge. Now, it's important to understand because some of you who fall on the love side and don't speak any true side and say, I'm not going to do any kind of judging. Jesus is not saying, don't do any kind of judging. The fact is, is if your little daughter is hanging out with Sammy the crackhead <laughs> who likes to skip school, right, and do B and E's, right, you're going to go, oh, my little Maria, come here. Oh, you feel pretty? Get in the closet. We're not letting you out. Right? Yeah. We don't, right, right. What do we do? What do we do? Right. Because we make a judgment, right? And you would never tell your kids not to use common sense. That's not what Jesus is saying. He's saying, don't do this in a hypocritical fashion. You know how I know? Because in verse 5, Jesus makes a judgment. <laughs> he judges people. You know who he judges? You. His church. He says this in verse 5, you hypocrite. That sounds kind of judgmental, doesn't it? So Jesus is not contradicting himself. What he is, however, doing is teaching us a particular way of judging that is more loving and truthful 
than it is opinion and self-righteousness. Do not judge or you too will be judged. You know what I've discovered? I've discovered that's true on several different levels. Number one, it's true on my own personal level. When I judge others about being lazy or silly or making poor decisions, I'm not surprised that I beat myself up over those very same things. Because when we judge others, we're just simply reflecting something that's been going on inside of us for a long time. And if the people around you feel judged and criticized, I can only imagine what's going on inside of you. Do not judge or you too will be judged. But there's another way. There's another way. It's not just the way I look at my life and I look at yours. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. Now, Matthew is not talking about the way we judge ourselves. He's talking now about how we will be judged by God. Could you imagine going, God, here's what I want you to do. I don't want you to judge me in mercy. What I want you to do is I want you to judge me the way I judge them. What I want to do is I want you to give me the same verdict that I give them. Could you imagine going to God like that? Scariest thing in the world. Could you imagine? It would be terrible. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And with the same measure you use, it will be measured to you. Verse 3. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye? Look at me. So, why do you? No, really, you. Why? The person wearing your shirt, sitting in your seat. Why do you judge your brother the way you do? In school, in work, your family members, your spouse? Your friends, your coworkers, why do you do it? Does it make you feel better to tear them down? Does that lift you up? Do you feel a sense of righteous indignation to the degree where you come off self-righteous? Are you more concerned about the way you'll look? That's why little Tommy can't walk out with whatever clothes he wants to. You have to make sure that he's dressed just so. Why do you do it? Why do you judge? Not the person that you wish was here because they really have a judgment problem and they really need to listen to this sermon. But the person sitting in your seat, why do you judge? Those of you who think, are thinking right now, I don't judge, are the scariest people in the room right now. <laughs> Because you don't even see it. If you don't believe me, ask your friends. If you say, I don't have any friends, I say, that is my point exactly. <laughs> Why do you do it? You do it. I do it. Let's, let's say, hey, listen, listen. The last place we want to be phony is here. Right? If you, can't, if you can't be real here, good night, where can you be? So why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye? Well, Jesus, if you're asking me, the reason I do is because I like judging others. It makes me feel better about myself. When I compare myself, when I compare myself to stuff that I don't struggle with in other people, I feel like I'm somehow victorious. 
better than I am. When I, when I compare my family to your family, I feel so much better about my family, so I don't have to address anything in my own family. When I compare your thought life to my thought life, I don't have to. You see, it's, it's, it's a distraction. It's a detractor. Oh, so that's why you do it. Why do you do it? Jesus is asking. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? See, the question isn't about making a, a judgment. Hey, you're actively using. I have 15 days clean. I am going to make a judgment and say I cannot hang with you. That's reasonable. But Jesus is saying, he's not saying, why don't you make those kinds of judgments? Those are reasonable. Those are wise. Of course you have to make those kinds of judgments. But Jesus is saying, why do you look at the speck in their own eye and not examine yourself? Why is there this focus intensely on everyone else? Notice what it says here. In your, what's the next word? In your brother's eye. There's something very important about this statement that we need to see. Jesus never asks us to make a judgment call on those outside of the Christian community. Now, let me tell you what I mean by this. If you and I do not agree on a standard, then we both will not come to the same conclusion. You do this in marriage. Hell, even Beyonce knows this, right? If you, if you don't agree on a standard, like, so what, what would be the standard? The standard would be marriage. And what would Beyonce say? Say, if you like it, then you should have put a ring on it. What is she saying? What's, what's Beyonce saying? Beyonce is saying something that the Bible has been teaching for a long time. She's saying, if we have not agreed on a standard, then what are you getting mad about? And so it is with the church and the rest of the world. Listen, listen. If the rest of the world is unmerciful, that's not my business. If the rest of the world wants to be promiscuous and do sex outside of marriage and do all that stuff, listen, yo, we don't agree on a standard. But you're my brother and my sister. And it's you who I come to and say, hey, you call yourself a Christian? You say that you're a Christian. You say that you belong to Jesus. There's a standard. Oh, but I don't like, I love that standard, but I don't like that. Ah, he doesn't give us that option. All I'm saying, if the ring is on your finger, if you belong to Jesus, then we have a standard. That's why it's brother, not world. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? Verse 4. How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when all the time there is a plank in your own eye? See, Jesus is, is with his humor, making us see how ridiculous our judgments are of others. 
Jesus is saying, not that I don't want you to judge, I just don't want you to put the cart before the horse. I don't want you to judge before you have God inspect your own heart. I don't want you to judge until you say, God, listen, I see something in them. Could you point out in me what's getting me all riled up about them? Because it is important that we grow in Christ. If we see someone with an issue in their life, that we grow in Christ. Because our desire is not to, it's the Holy Spirit's job to change them. But we want to see God work in our own souls and in our own hearts. And listen to me. I am explaining to some of you why the last two weeks have been so difficult in your marriage. Because everybody's busy trying to take specks out of other people's eye all along along walking with big planks in their own. It's kind of like this. So we come to people, and here's how I do it, right? I go like this. I go, so hey, man. Um... I just wanted to have a conversation about you, man. I don't want you to get all critical. I don't want you to get all sensitive on me, man. But, bro, you're going to walk out again with that speck in your eye? Come on, man. Have some dignity. I mean, you got to do something about that. I mean, really, bro. Look, I mean, people are looking at you, bro. It's just embarrassing. See how crazy this is? This is ridiculous. But this is what Jesus is saying. Jesus is saying, you who have a log in your own eye are going to point out the speck in someone else's eye. We even have a phrase for this in our culture. We say, isn't that the pot calling the cat? Sure. Because people come up to you. Imagine. It's silly, right? It looks stupid, right? That's, that's Jesus' point. That's, his, that's what he's trying to bring out. It's ridiculous. You don't know how silly you look. You're going, you're going up to your spouse saying those things. You're going, but yo, you don't love me like you used to. Honey, you used to be more affectionate with me. And she's like, you have not said hello. You have not given me affection. It's, you, you know what you're doing. You know what you're doing. You know, you're just not affectionate to me anymore. You know, you, you look silly. You look silly. Crazy. You're going, you're going to your kids. You know, I don't want you to lie. Don't you ever lie to me. If you lie to me again, I'm going to kick you out of the house. Ring, ring. Hello. Oh, Susie, you need help moving? No, I'm going to be in Baltimore. You know, I can't do it. I can't do it. When are you go? Oh, when am I going? Uh, like in two hours. I'm leaving now. I gotta be. I'm sorry. I can't even talk right now. I gotta get to the airport. Don't you lie. Don't you lie to me again. It's it's ridiculous, right? It's preposterous. And this is what you look like. And this is what I look like, in a car, driving to a grocery store, trying to point out my wife's faults. Stupid, right? And I wonder why the conversation went so bad, right? I said, honey, come on now. A, B, C, and D. And she's looking at me like, you can't even steer the car with a log in your own eye. For those of you who are on audio, I had like a two by four on my eye. So he says two things. He says, how can you say to your brother, let me 
take the speck out of your eye when all the time there's a plank in your own. You know what Jesus is saying? Jesus is saying you are not qualified to take a speck out of your loved one's eye, out of your brother or sister's eye, out of your Christ follower, friend, you know, the person who loves Jesus, who you love, who you want to correct. You are not qualified to take the speck out of their eye unless you have tears in yours. Amen. You're not ready. You're not brokenhearted over your own sin. You're not devastated by your own iniquity. You're not, you're not crushed about not following Jesus to that degree, then you're not ready to point out anything in anyone else's eye. You, you, listen, you are simply unqualified. The only ones who are qualified to take specks out of others are whose eyes are filled wet with tears. Then Jesus gives us two, a formula, two things to do, a formula for appropriately, truthfully, lovingly addressing our brothers and sisters in Christ. He says, first. Anybody know why he says first? Because there's going to be a second. So first, there's this, but there's something coming up next. So don't, don't just do a hit and run on a half a sentence. First, first, take the plank out of your own eye. First, take the plank out of your own eye. So let's talk about how this looks like practically, right? So here's a person who's spending all their money on clothes, now, I don't struggle with that. I just, when it comes to clothes, I save up my money. Once I save up to a particular amount, then I go shopping and I kind of do that sort of thing, right? I don't, I don't overspend. I'm not buying clothes every week. It's a rare thing for me to buy clothes. My wife makes fun of me over it. That's not my issue. I don't buy clothes like that. So before I go to them, I go to God and I go, God, why is it that I'm getting so upset with them? Why is it that I'm, I want to address them? What is it in them that's... Oh, you mean there are things inside of me that I run to for joy and not in Christ? There are things that I run to to give me comfort, to make me feel good, to make me look good in front of others? And so I weep. I weep over my own sin. I weep over the, the stuff that I need to address. Because nobody, listen to me, if someone is disrespectful towards me, no one has ever been as disrespectful towards me as I've been towards Christ. My kids have never disobeyed me to the degree that I've disobeyed Christ. You see, you, you understand? It's always a gospel issue. It's going back to Christ and saying, you've been so loving. They are so disrespectful. Lord, I am not disrespectful to them. Could you show me how I've been disrespectful? Oh, I see now. I have totally ignored your word on this occasion, this occasion. This is very clear in God's scripture. I've just kind of looked over it. I'm not even going to address it in my own life. Oh. The reason I'm getting so upset 
with them is because the stuff that I see in them is in me, and I don't want to address it. Listen. First, take the plank out of your own eye, then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. First, so how would we say this verse? How would we illustrate this verse? Here's what Jesus is saying. He's saying, listen to me. The temptation is always, when we're looking at false, the temptation is to look out the window, look around, look outside. Oh my gosh, can you believe that person? Oh my God, can you believe what she's wearing? Oh my goodness, can you believe? Can you believe? Can you believe? Can you believe? Can you believe what they struggle with? You didn't get this? I didn't relapse like you did. Why are you relapsing so many times? And we just have all the, before we look out the window, Jesus is saying, before you look out the window, what I want you to do is I want you to look in the mirror. I don't, want you to t- I don't want you to tell nothing to no one. I don't want you to say nothing to no one. I don't want you to speak to anyone. Don't point out anything that's out the window without first looking in the mirror. You're not qualified. It isn't until we start looking in the mirror that we're, and tears well up in our eyes over our own sin, that we're ready to address someone else's sin. So, what's the first thing Jesus says to do? He says, first, take the plank out of your own eye, and then, someone say, and then. Until that's done, you're not ready for and then. Until you do that. I remember I was in, a, I was in the car with my kids, and uh, they, were, they were telling me about how judgmental I am. And uh, my wife was there, and she goes, uh, I forgot what she said. She said, uh, she, goes, she said something. And I said, no, 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 no. And I mentioned my child's name. I said, they, I said, they don't believe in judging except with their parents. They don't believe in judging people except when it comes to judging their parents. Who's the person in your life who could say the same thing? They don't believe in judging except when it comes to me. Is it your spouse? Is it your kids? Is it your parents? I don't, no, don't judge me. Don't judge, no, judging, no, no, no. Except when it comes to my judging them. See, you're not ready. You're not ready to be a wounded healer. You're not ready to love a person through their sin. You're not, you're simply not ready until you spent time with Christ and he's shown you that same sin in your own soul. You hypocrite, first take the plank out of your own eye and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. So here's what it looks like. Here's my kid, right? And boy, I'm going to say my kid because there's just no other relationship that is quite as sensitive as that one, right? Isn't that just a tender, sensitive, difficult relationship? Like it's just, it's so easy to lose that one. So I don't go to my kid and go, you're lazy and you're this and you're that. Or I don't go to a person. Anyway, let's pick another one. Um, Anybody here have issues like with eating? 
Anybody here have issues with eating? I have issues with eating. And, and so here's the thing. Here's the thing. So I, so I get with God, and I go, oh, God. I want to talk to them about their situation with eating, but here's the truth. I run to food before I run to you. I try to find my comfort from this plate of food or this kind of food or this thing or open the refrigerator at this time. When I get concerned and worry, I reach for that snack. That's the truth. Lord, would you make me weep over that? And taking that and going to my friend and going, okay, okay, here's my problem. I have this eating thing. And I don't want to trust Jesus. I'd rather trust haagen And so... This is the truth about me. I'm a mess. The only reason I'm not overweight is because God gave me an incredible uh, metabolism, and I work out like a crazy person to compensate for all the food that I eat. It's a real problem in me, but it rules me sometimes. That's the truth about me. And then you say, but I noticed you have the same issue too. We both struggle with the same thing. Would you walk with me throughout this process? Would you, would you help me to monitor the times and the kinds of foods that I eat? Because here's my plank. Your deal is not as big as my deal. My de- my, I got a plank. You only have a speck. I'm just saying, I need your help. Can we walk through this together? It's so much better. It's so much better. Now, if you're in an emotional relationship or if you're in a situation within a relationship, whether it's husband to wife or, or, or uncle to nephew or niece, you know, whatever it is, friend, co-worker to whatever, but it's a sensitive thing. And you're like, oh, but I feel like if I don't say something, I'm going to explode. Listen, you're still not ready. Be broken over your own sin. Be broken over your own iniquity, then you can go to them. So here it is. God would have us, God would have us in his word. He would say, okay, so here's the deal. I want you to live this third way. I want you to speak the truth in love. You go, but it's not fair that I should try to figure out what sin I'm struggling. I feel like I'm taking the burden of their sin and they're hurting me and they're hurting our family and all this other stuff. And I get it. And, I know. and by the way, I can't possibly in a simple one you know, sermon on a Sunday morning possibly speak into all the possible contingencies that you guys are going through. So you're going to have to ask God for real wisdom. But I'm telling you, you're simply not ready to talk to them about their stuff. Now, I'm speaking to two people. One is that, and, and this week, here's what I want you to do. This week, what I want you to do is I want you to live out verse 5. I want you to first ask God, how do you struggle with this issue? And then secondly, I want you to confront. But now here's the thing. I'm speaking to two different types of people. One of you, let me speak to you. You don't like to confront nobody on nothing. You don't like to make judgment calls on nothing. You get scared. Your hands get all clammy. Or you just say to yourself, I don't want to confront them, maybe because of your own sin. And you think, oh, man, if I confront them, then I'll have to address my own sin. And you're not ready to address your own sin. And so for those of you, 
I, I, just this week, this is your week. Address your sin. Stop ignoring your sin. Address the things that are in your own life that you need to address so that you might be able to address the others. Now, that's one group of people. There's another group of people that you're all too excited about confronting someone. You got 15 people on your list that you just, oh, I'm so glad that you spoke on this. Jesus, what's my issue? Okay, thanks very much. Hey! One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. No, no, no. Listen, listen. I'm asking you guys not to confront anyone. I'm just, just sit with the uncomfortability of it. Remember, it's a tension, isn't it? Isn't it? Isn't it difficult? There's no clear-cut answer. What do you do? What do you do? Well, if you're prone to this, you probably have left all sorts of collateral damage in your wake. People already, you could say, you look nice to somebody, and they'll take it offensively because you're so critical. <laughs> but for those of you who are, find yourself critical, and if you, oh, by the way, if you're not sure which one you are, you're the critical one. <laughs> if you're not sure, like if you go, oh man, I wonder if I'm scared of confrontation. Or, you're not sure. Okay, yeah, you're blind and you're critical, right? <laughs> That's just, just to be clear. So here's the deal. But allowing Christ that you might go up to somebody and say, okay, listen, I've never relapsed. I've never, I, I've never, I've, I've, my, my clean date started in 91 and February 28th, and it's 23 years later, I'm 40. I just celebrated my 23rd anniversary. I'm cool about that, right? And so, so I see somebody who's struggling with that. You know what I do? I get in my prayer closet, and I say, God, there are more things to be addicted to than substances. What have I said I'm going to stop doing? I'm going to give up for Lent. I'm going to, you know, so what have I said that I'm going to stop doing and then found myself falling back in there? Oh, my. I could almost hear Jesus say, you got a minute? <laughs> this might take a while. And just writing down, Ed, Ed, you said you weren't going to be sarcastic in your family, and you were. Ed, you said you were going to be more loving, and you weren't. Ed, you said you were going to pursue me, but you're only pursuing your own glory. Ed, you, s- you know how long I could go on with this. And so I'm broken by my own sin, and I'm going, Jesus, and, and Jesus, what's your response to me? And so listen, listen. Jesus says, Edwin, I had a plank too. I had a plank too, but it wasn't stuck on my eye. I put the plank on my back. And I died for your sin, that you might be free. You deserved judgment, and I gave you mercy. You deserved wrath, and I saved your soul. So that's what you did with your plank? Brother. There's this thing that I've struggled with a long time. I keep on relapsing into it. I know that you only have three days back. I'm wondering, can we, can we make meetings together? Can we connect with one another? Can you help me with my deal? And I got some clean time. I could help you with your deal. 
Can you help me with my log? And maybe I could help you with your spec. You're not qualified to say that, though, unless you've been weeping over your own sin. Unless you see that you are wretched and, and grimy and nasty and broken. And Jesus says, I'll fix you. I'll turn your shame into my glory. I'll, I'll save you, and I'll do it without your help. And until you're ready to see that, you're just not ready because you had a Savior who came from heaven to earth to say this, that you are worse than you think, and you're more loved by Christ than you could imagine. He knows you. He knows all your grimy. He knows all your dirty. He knows all your shameful. He knows all your dark secrets. He knows all of that. And yet he puts the plank not in his eye. He puts the plank on his back to die for your sins, to rise from the dead, to ascend to the Father, to create a place with you forever in heaven. It's the gospel. So as the musicians come up, I, uh, could you imagine... Jesus is speaking this, he's speaking this, not to an individual person, he's speaking this to his people. That's who he's speaking this to. So could you imagine, what would a church be like? What would a church be like if you could come in and if I could come in and we could be as messed up as we truly are? What would it be like? What would it be like that if we started to practice this kind of judgment? That if we started to practice this type of grace-filled judgment? If we said, before I ever say anything to you, I'm going to talk to Jesus. I'm going to have him say some stuff about me. You know what would happen in this church? Never again would there ever be another person who sits in their chair in isolated desires for suicide. That would never happen again. Because they would go, okay, here's the truth about me. The truth about me is that I'm the greatest sinner in the room. I do the most shameful things, and I don't think that anybody could love me. And they could receive from the body of Christ. Go, you too! You too! Me too. Let's, let's do this together. Yeah, but you don't understand. I feel like I was born a particular way. I have bents in particular areas in my life that I feel are natural to me. You too. Me too. Let's do this together. Yeah, but I've been so grimy to my marriage and I've been so grimy to my kids and I've done all this dirt. You too. Could you imagine? What kind of church would that be like? I bet you it's a church that you'd love to invite your friends to. I bet you it'd be a church that your friends would love to come to. I bet you there'd never be. Listen, we could put 10, 12, 2, 4, 6, 8. We could put all the times in the world, and we would never have enough room that would fill up. We would never have enough room to facilitate the kind of people that would come. Because listen to me, it's not that people don't want to be addressed on their stuff. Everybody needs to be addressed on their stuff. Some of us overeat, you need to be addressed on that. Some of us are too lazy. Some of us, some of us, some of us are so used to blaming others, we can't even see any sin in our own lives. And what we're saying is that this church is not going to be the kind of church who ignores that, but the church that kind of addresses those things with tears in their eyes, saying, I'm lazy too. I'm, I'm broken too. 
I'm hurting too. Don't you, listen, don't you want to go and gather with a church like that? Don't you want that? I have an idea. Then God has a better idea. He says, hey, if that's what you want, I have an idea, God says. Why don't you be that church? Why don't you be the kind of church that says, brother, I love you so much. I'm going to get with Jesus. I'm going to address my own sin, but I love you too much to just not, just, just ignore. I'm not going to play the fiddle while you walk off a roof. I'm going to say the truth in love. I hope that's your story. Now listen, for those of you who don't know Jesus, Jesus already knows you're dirty. And he says, I'll wash you. And I'll take on your dirty. Oh, it's for you. So you can, so your job today is to just go, Jesus, here's the truth about me. I'm a mess. I do messed up things. I'm not trying to make any excuses anymore. I'm not saying because mom, because dad, because where I was born, because what I was raised. I'm not going to blame everybody. I'm not going to look out the window and blame everybody else. What I'm going to do is I'm just going to look in the mirror. I'm going to say, God, this is, this is the truth about me. I'm grimy. I'm dirty. I'm messy. I'm a... I need you. That's what we're going to do. If you don't know Christ, that's what I want you to do. If you know Christ, I want you to ask for wisdom on how to apply this this week. So when you see somebody doing something that annoys you, you just go, God, why is this annoying me so much? Address this sin in my own heart. Maybe you need to get it with some other Christian who's wiser than you, who can walk you through it. That's what I want you to do. So you know what we're going to do? We're going to sing because we're going to become the kind of people that Jesus loves sending other people to. We're going to thank him for all the work that he's doing in our heart. We're going to confess our own sin and we're going to say that he is great. Let's sing. Let's stand.